Tonight I want to speak about the second coming of Christ. And we have went right through from last Sunday evening, right through every night, by last night, Saturday night. We have looked at how in the coming of the Lord, before he comes, the fulfillment of prophecy. And where we are, what time is it, was the theme. And it's the time to seek the Lord. It's time that the unsaved were saved, the unconverted were converted. And it's time to reach our nation. It's time to reach men and women in our society because we're at the last of the last days. And we've shown so much. And look, you maybe have thought, well, well, we'll hear something else about what's going on with Russia. All of these things have been dealt with throughout the whole week. And we're going to look at something else. But it's still prophetic. What we're going to look at is when Christ returns, sets his kingdom up on the earth. And we're going to look at that tonight, and then we'll look at God willing. We're going to look at how we go into the ages, age of the ages, and there is on into eternity. Uh, those who are saved to be with the Lord, and heaven will invade earth, and earth and heaven will be one, the kingdom of God on the earth. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21, please. Revelation chapter 21. I have a little bit of reading to do here. Let's just read from verse 1. Revelation 21 and verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let your eye run on down again, please, to chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on the other side of the river, was there a tree of life, which bare all manner of fruits. Bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. 
and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants of things which must shortly be done. Let's pray again. Eternal Father, we thank you that you give up for us your only begotten Son. And Father, we thank you that he shed his blood for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, you went all the way to that cross to die for us, guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinners. And we thank you, Lord, that you paid our ransom, you paid our debt. We ask you, Father, now, in his worthy name, the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would settle all of us in this house tonight, and settle our hearts and settle our minds, and we pray now, Lord, that you would remove and bind under the authority of the name of Jesus every opposing spirit, any distracting thought. And we pray, O oh God, that hearts and minds would be fixed on him, and that your glory would be made known by the salvation of a soul tonight. That men and women would come to saving faith in Jesus. And that your church would be edified and built up. We ask it in his name. Amen. In Revelation chapter 21. And in verse 1 it says. And I saw, notice, a new heaven and a new earth. Take note of that. A new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Notice, a new heaven and a new earth. This was spoken of in the Old Testament as well. By Isaiah the prophet, he prophesied of this to come. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, the Lord through the prophet says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered, nor come to mind. Notice, seven to 750 years previous, the Lord says, I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Now, to you and I, that might seem fanciful. To the human understanding, it seems impossible. And we can't grasp it, and we don't fully understand it. But thus we know that everything that God has spoken will come to pass. His word will not return unto him void. As we have looked through this week, we have also looked at how close we are to the second coming of Christ and then to this new heaven and the new earth when heaven, that is the abode of God and his angels, when heaven invades our solar system and comes right down through the skies in the person of Christ and sets up his throne upon the earth again. Behold, he says, I create a new heavens and a new earth. Notice what it says here. God promises a better place to all of those who are in Christ. God promises a better world to all of those who are saved and in Christ. Now notice something here. God is not promising everyone a better world. He's promising those who are in Christ salvation, redemption, and a better world. We hear today your best life now 
If this is your best life now, dear help us. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. This is not our best life now. Our best life is yet to come when Christ returns. Our best life will be then. The former sorrows of earth under the fall of Father Adam shall be far and so far from recurring again that even their very remembrance shall be obliterated by the many mercies God will bestow upon the earth and on his people at the coming of his Son. Listen to Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27. Psalm 102. This psalm is written as a psalm of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. And listen, they're looking for the better world. Looking for a better understanding. Looking for a new heaven and a new earth. Notice what he says through the spirit of prophecy. Psalm 102 verse 25. Of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of thy hands. Here he's speaking to creator God. Elohim. Notice what he says then in verse 26. They shall perish. The heavens and the earth that you have founded as they're known and as we know them and see them they shall perish in other words they're going to grow weary notice thou shalt endure he says to god yea all of them shall wax old like a garment as a vesture shalt thou change them they shall be changed thou but thou art the same and thy years have no end the spirit of prophecy is moving upon the psalmist to say this. The heavens which God has created. That's not God's heaven. We're speaking about the heavens of outer space. And all that we know and do not know yet. The heavens right to this very planet. The heavens and the earth which you have created. The heavens you fly through to go on your holidays on an aeroplane. Right to this earth are going to be changed. Everything is going to be different. Heaven is coming to earth. And when heaven comes to earth, God is going to make a great change on the earth. Now notice this. He says everything will change. But he turns in in the spirit of prophecy. And engulfed by this spirit. And he says, but thou shalt endure. God endures. He is the Lord who changes not. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And notice what he says then after this. Verse 26, they shall perish, but thou shalt endure. All of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture, thou shalt change them, and they shall be. Notice the term changed. He says, you're going to change the heavens. You're going to change the earth. And he says, it's like you're putting on a shirt in the morning. And you take it off at night. And you put on a shirt again the next morning says, Lord, you're going to do it. And though everything around us changes, he says, oh God, you remain the same. One of the most wonderful things for you to remember, brother and sister, is this. No matter what is coming against you, no matter what happens in your life, no matter the troubles and the trials and the heartaches, always know this. People change all the time. You change all the time. I change all the time. One moment we love Jesus one day more than the next or less than the next and so on. 
My love is oft times low. My joy still lives and flows, says the hymn writer. But peace with him remains the same. No change, Jehovah knows. And you and I change all the time. And the things around us change. Where we grew up change. The buildings change. Governments change. Parliaments change. Kings and queens and princes change. Boundaries change and borders change and countries change. Everything changes. But one thing we can rest upon when we are saved is he never changes. He is the same. And the psalmist says, Lord, everything will change. He says, but you are the same. Everything grows old, but you are eternal. He says, thy years have no end. You see, friend, if you want to be in God's heaven, you must be saved. You must be born again. And in heaven is eternity. And eternity has no year end. And if you want to be in a place where there is no year end and there is no damnation of the soul, then you must, you must trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sin. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, totally and completely unable to save myself. And thou art the only Savior, Lord Jesus. You have paid my debt and that and more than enough. And I trust in your finished work on Calvary's cross when you shed your blood and you died for me. Notice this, the idea given here, the theme is that all things change. Some things are renewed, and even the heavens and the earth will be too. Listen to what Isaiah says again in Isaiah 66 this time. 66 and verse 22. For as the new heavens, notice, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make. Notice what the Lord says, I'm going to make it. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. God has a people who are going to remain before him in the new heavens and the new earth. Verse 23, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another all flesh shall come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Now take note of this. In Isaiah 66, at the end of this scroll or the book here, we have a great difference and a great contrast from Isaiah chapter 1. Yahweh, Almighty God, rebukes Israel, his people, at their lack of sincerity, at their lack of faith in him, and the lack of truth in their worship. And he looks at them and he sees the shallowness of life in their nation toward him. You look at Britain and you tell me if there's not a shallowness in our nation from what it used to be. You look at even little what's so-called evangelical Ulster and tell me is it no longer just a shadow of what it used to be before Almighty God? Is it any wonder that the heathen are now coming in to rule over us? Is it any wonder that things are happening in our nation, in our towns and cities that God said would happen if we did not turn to him? And now they're happening on the left hand and on the right. And we find that we have no idea how to deal with it. And so we find now that the tail is wagging the dog. Notice this. If you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1, this is the way it starts. Compared to the way Isaiah ends 
his book. Isaiah chapter 1, please. Just for time's sake, let your eye run down to verse 4. The Lord says this through the prophet to his people. And as we're reading this, you can see the Lord saying this to our nation. Ah, sinful people. There's, that's enough, isn't it? Ah, sinful people. Imagine God saying that to you, friend, tonight. What would God say when he looks to you? Does he say, ah, sinful people? Does he say to Ulster, ah, sinful people, to Ireland, ah, sinful people, the United Kingdom, ah, sinful people? I say he does. What does he say to the man and woman who know not Christ? Ah, sinful people. That's God's word, not mine. God says this to those who are not saved. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Notice a seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away and backward. Now notice this. God says they're sinful. They're laden with iniquity. They're a seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. And now you're provoking me, he says. God said that to Israel. Imagine God saying that. And I would say he is saying that. For the wrath of God is only being held back by God. Through his abundant grace and mercy. He says you're corrupt and you're evil. Oh nation, we must turn to God. Church, you must tell the people. Repent and believe the gospel. Notice what he says here. You've provoked me. Then in verse 5, why should you be stricken more and more? You will revoke more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even under the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land strangers devoured in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. Notice what God's saying here. Even those who are not off your land are coming in and they're sucking you dry. They're bleeding you dry. He says, they're coming in, he says, and they're defiling the land. They're coming in, he says, and they're destroying you. He says, you know why? Because you're sinful. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God. This isn't just something that we read over. God views our nation as such. We have fallen so far away from him. Turn with me, keeping that in mind, that picture in your mind. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. We did touch a little bit, some pieces on this book as well, as the, as the, the, the meetings had went on. But turn with me to the book of Hosea, please, chapter 5. Notice what the Lord says here. We haven't a lot of time just to read uh, uh, too much of it. But the Lord starts talking about judgment toward the northern kingdom of Israel. And he says in verse 1, Hear ye priests, hear ye this, O priests, and hearken, ye house of Israel, and give ear, O house of the king, 
for judgment is towards you because you have been a snare on Mizpah, and the net spread on Tabor. And the revolters are profound to make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. Notice if you let just your eye run down. Verse 5, the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall by their iniquity. Judah, that's the southern kingdom. Judah also shall fall with them. Verse 7, they have dealt treacherously against the Lord, for they have begotten strange children. Now shall a month devour them with their, with their portions. Blow ye the cornet in Gebeah, and the trumpet in Ramah, cry aloud in Bethlehem. After the O Benjamin, Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. Now let your eye just run down to verse 11. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment. Because he willingly walked after, that means he walked away from the commandment, not after it. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and unto the house of Judah as rottenness. Now note this. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent King Jareb. Yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. Notice, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, Ephraim the northern kingdom and Judah was the southern kingdom. And he says, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, the word saw is a word in the Hebrew, and it means to discern, to look one another upon one another. In other words, they started to get hold of what was happening in the nation. People started to wake up at what they were doing and they seen one another and as they seen them in their sin, and living their life in their sin, and doing what they wanted in their sin, and disregarding God. And it was a stink in his nostrils, as he said in Isaiah chapter, chapter 1. And he says, all of this, the, the, the fumes of your stench was in my nostrils. And he says, and I allowed you to see it. He says, I allowed you to look one at another. Look at this one. Surely the company used to not be like that. Look what's happening here. Sure that used to be it wasn't the temple. Worship was like that. And worship has went away here. You know, I remember they used to preach the, on a Sunday night the gospel from every pulpit. You know, and we're, we're seeing all of this and we're crying about it all. But nothing was done. Nothing was done. And God allowed them to see it. Brothers and sisters, things are happening in our nation and there's nothing being done. The church should be on their face, seeking God. Ephraim saw means they seen to look one upon another. The Hebrew word is raw. Uh, the Greek word is horeo. It means God gave them, as it were, a vision of what was going on in the land. God gave them a vision of what was happening. Do you know what the Latin equivalent of the Hebrew and the Greek word here is for to see and to have a vision? It's a word video. It's where you and I get our word video video. It's as though God allowed him through the words of the prophets to see like you're watching a video the sin that's going on in our nation. Do you know what happens? See when we sit in front of the, the TV screens or we read the newspapers, we become hardened to the things that are happening. 
we, we become steeped in the sin and the little uh, venial sins, uh, uh, as Rome would call them, the little sins that don't matter too much, they become, well, they become into the distance and they disappear. And then the sins after that, the sins become greater and those sins don't seem as bad. Then they become worse until you have pornography everywhere on the television. Until you have it on billboards, until you have murder on the streets, until you have nobody crying anymore for justice, pedophilia everywhere, and our nation is in a terrible state. And God says, can you see it, my people? Can you see it? And the politically correct brigade come and say, now let's not be too harsh. Let's not be too harsh. Let's preach smooth things from the pulpit. God says you're a seed of evildoers. Oh, he sees it. You know what it's like. I'm sure you know what it's like. You ever go on holiday and somebody takes a video of you? Especially if you're lying beside the pool. And you get home and you realize it and there you are in your swimsuit or your shorts and you think, the camera really does put 10 pounds on you, doesn't it? You see the, the videos of these that go online? I don't watch them because I don't like looking at myself on the, on the screen. The face for radio. And I don't like that. You see, what it is is when we see ourselves for who we are. You inside and me inside looking out, we think we're something else. But when we see the real corruption of ourselves, and God allowed them to see it. Friend, that's something to tell you. See, if you can't see the corruption of your own self and your inability to get saved by yourself, you'll never be saved. You'll never be saved. But if God has shown you your inability, then he's here to save. He's here to forgive. He let them see it. And they done nothing, absolutely nothing with it. Notice this. Isaiah 66 says this. Verse 23, all flesh shall come to worship before me. All flesh shall come to worship before me. Now the great invisible God, the great eternal spirit, how is God going to, how is all flesh going to come worship before him? I'll tell you how they'll come. They'll worship him when Christ returns. They'll bow at his feet. Isaiah 45 and verse 23, the Lord says, I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me, that is unto Yahweh or Jehovah. Unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Now God said that prophesying through the prophet. Then Jesus comes and Jesus dies on the cross for us. He's buried and he's risen from the dead on the third day and ascended into glory. And so the Apostle Paul now in Romans 14 mentions it. He says, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. So this tells me that Jesus is God. That he is the Son of God. And he's the Son of Man. That he's deity clothed in humanity. This tells me that Christ is coming. And God in Christ is coming to set up his kingdom and all will come and stand before him. And those who do not bow the knee in this life now will find they bow the knee in the next life then 
to be cast away from him. Say, depart from me. I don't know you. I don't know you. Oh, but God knows everyone. Oh, yes, he does. It means I don't know you in an intimate fashion. I don't know you in an intimate way. I don't know the intimacy between me and you. There was none. Go away from me. I trust there's no one here tonight. I trust there's no one here that will stand before Christ and he will say those words to you. Listen to what Philippians 2 and 9 to 11 says. Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christian, could I give you a bit of advice? I remember one time I was out praying and it says, now I started quoting God's word to him. And every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I felt the Lord just say to me, well son, bow the knee now. Bow the knee now. Christian, it's time to start to worship again. It's time to start to be devotional in him. It's time to fall in love with him. It's time to get out of the ruts we get in. It's time to take away the hardness of our hearts and pray through it. It's time to seek his face and fall in love with Christ all over again. Notice Isaiah 66 and verse 23. He says, all flesh shall come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Verse 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of men that have transgressed against me. Wow. For their worm shall not die. Men who have transgressed against me, he says. There be my people who will worship me. And there are those whose carcasses, he says, their worms shall not die. Neither shall their fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorrence unto all flesh. The Lord Jesus himself in Mark chapter 9. Verses 43 and 44. Listen to what he said. About entering the kingdom of heaven. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed. And having two hands to go to hell. Into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not. And the fire is not quenched. Here the prophet through the spirit of prophecy, the Lord says, there's a worm. There's a worm for the flesh. He says, there's a fire unquenchable. There's a stench comes up. You want to stay in your stench of Isaiah chapter 1? The wounds and bruises and the putrefying sores. He says, that's what it's like. Do you ever think of something like that? I know it's not a nice thought at this time on a Sunday evening. But do you ever think of something like that? Wounds, bruises, putrefying sores, something that has never been bound up nor mollified with ointment. It's never been treated full of infection. 
and dirt. Do you ever think of it? And the stench and the reek of it. That's what the sin is like in God's nostrils. And God says, if that's the way you want to stay in, he says, then you'll stank and stink for all eternity. And your worm won't die. And your fire isn't quenched. Oh, wow. The word here, Jesus says, for better for you to enter into life maimed than it is having two hands to go into hell, is the word Gehenna. Gehenna. Now, there was a valley outside of Jerusalem, outside the city walls, and it was from the, the northwest running down round to the southwest. And in the Old Testament, we haven't time to go into these things, but in the Old Testament, they used to have what was known as fire worship, walking through the coals, burning their children on the Molech and the fire. And the southern king of the kingdom of Judah, Ahaz, he was a terrible man for this, and he led the nation wrong. And when he led the nation wrong, the people went further and deeper into sin. And the Lord raised up a young boy called Josiah, who became king after him, and he tore down all the idols, and he took away all the false worship and he started to open the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem again. And he was a young reformer in the, in the house of Judah. But Gehenna was where that place was known, where the fire, uh, the, the, the worship of fire was there from northwest to southwest at Jerusalem. And so it became a rubbish tip. It became a place where all the animal carcasses that were to be burnt according to the Levitical priest tribes of Levi would bring them out and burn all the carcasses that were, were slain and were of no use and the offal and their insides and any bones. And there was a continuous, a continual fire burning all the time. The smoke went up. Now think of the stench. Animal flesh. Feces. Offal. Their insides. Bone. Hair. Everything was consumed continually in Gehenna. But it never went out. And the flesh till the fire was there was covered in breeding stinking worms in the heat of the sun. Now Jesus takes this and he says, do you want to be there? Only in an eternal one? Jesus said that. Jesus said he says it's better to cut your hand off. Now, we're not advocating you cut your hand off. What it means is whatever is keeping you from Christ, put it away. That's what it means. Whatever is holding you back, come to Jesus. Whether it's your own mind, worry about family, worry about friends, your work colleagues. You think, as even Tom mentioned earlier, I must clean up my life and clean up my act. No, friend, you come in repentant knee tonight. Just as you are, as Rebecca sang. And Christ will save your soul. Who's holding you back? Your loved one? Your wife? Your husband? Your children? Jesus says you're better to get rid of it than tend to get rid of your wife. You're better to get right with him, it means. Gehenna became that local rubbish dump and represented burning fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, tells us of the lake of fire. This lake of fire will burn, eternal burning, 
Friends, strive to enter into the straight gate. You hear? Strive to enter into the straight, at the straight gate. Is it the new heaven and the new earth with Christ, which is far better? Is it eternal life or eternal punishment? Is it heaven or hell? Is it worship or the worm? Is it unrelenting love for eternity in the presence of Christ? Or is it an unquenchable fire forever? Now you might say, what has that got to do with prophecy? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13 says these words. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. This is the prophecy that Christ is coming and he's going to set up his kingdom. Now we have looked at nations and things that have happened the whole way through time from Old Testament right up to date. This week, and if you want to go, you can look it online or whatever, try and catch up, and you will see God's word has been true every step of the way. Friend, let me tell you something. Heaven, don't you miss it for the world. Heaven, don't miss it for your friends or your family. Because it's coming to earth in the person of Christ and his kingdom. And if you're not ready, you'll miss it. You will miss it. Peter says we look for a new heavens and a new earth. The word new is the word kainos, and it means new in quality. Notice that. New in quality. Can I bother Tom now? It means to be worn out. It means to be tired, depleted, travailing. Because the idea of the earth is groaning and travail, looking for Christ coming. And there's a newness coming. And so this is prophetic because everything that we have looked at, what God has told us, has come to pass historically. The Reformation has happened. He told us it would, and it did. 1917, and the great year that it was, the liberation of Jerusalem, we looked at it, and it happened. He told us it would happen. And here... He's telling us if we're not saved, it will happen too that we're not in the kingdom. And now he's saying that he is coming and the new heaven and earth will be set up at his coming. Notice this. The earth shall be renewed. It shall be renovated, restored and replenished. Listen, the earth isn't going to disappear and vanish into space. The earth is not going to do that. The earth will abide forever. Now notice this, it means there will be no pollution in the sky, no debris in outer space, no ozone layer damage or whatever they claim it to be. There will also be no devil on the earth, nor as the prince of the power of the air. The new heavens and the new earth will free all who are in Christ from every curse when Christ returns and well beyond any stretch of our imaginations, totally and completely amaze us and astound us. Isaiah 64 and 4 says, 
For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor ear perceived by ear, neither the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Notice the term, that waiteth for him. Paul uses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. He takes it from the Old Testament again. And he says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Notice those that wait for him. There are those who wait for God in prayer. Now we also wait for God in prayer, but rather we are waiting for Christ from heaven. That's what we're waiting for, Christ from heaven. And so John says in John 21 and verse 1, And I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heavens and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. This is the big spaceship coming down. I've heard all wonderful, fanciful things. Or neither is it like a, a big city, all golden, drifting down out of space to land around where Jerusalem is. That's not what it means. The new Jerusalem that we are talking about is the bride, the redeemed saints of God. The new Jerusalem is the tabernacle of God's dwelling. And the new Jerusalem is you, brother and sister. you. Notice this. Revelation 21. It says in verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Notice what he says then in verse 22. And I saw no temple. See the things that are not in heaven? That are not in the kingdom? Look. There's no tears, there's no death, there's no sorrow, no crying, no more pain. There's no temple. Imagine that. Listen, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. Now listen, man built temple, a temple for God in the Old Testament. We read of Solomon's temple and others. Man built the temple for God to come in the Old Testament. But God then built a temple out of man in the New Testament for him to dwell in. And now in the kingdom, when we're changed to be like Christ, in the kingdom, God is the temple and man is God's dwelling place. Imagine that. In other words, he's in us. He's through us. He's around us. He's everywhere. His fullness of presence. I'm closing soon. Time has really flown. Maybe it hasn't for you, but it has for me. Bless you. Revelation 21 and 23 says, There's no need of the sun, neither of the moon. The glory of God and its brilliance. And the light of the Lamb is its magnificence. The glory of God is its brilliance. And the light of the Lamb is his magnificence. He will glory, shine his glory. It's like when Moses says, show me thy glory. And the Lord says, you can't see my glory and live. Do you notice that? You can't see my glory, Moses, and live. But there's a place by me. 
and I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. When I pass by you, I'll cover you with my arm. Why? That he wouldn't be consumed in the presence of the Lord. Listen, friend. This same God is the one the unsaved will stand before. And be consumed in his presence. And how will the believer not be consumed? Because when Christ returns, this vile body, this corruptible, this mortal will be changed. Be immortal and incorruptible. And fashioned like Christ's own glorious body. Reminds me of that wonderful hymn. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. his name Revelation 22 and tells us there shall be no curse tells us there will be no death all of these things there will not be but we're told in 21 and 8 but the fearful and unbelieving the abominable, the murderer, the whoremonger the saucers, the idolaters all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone is the second death. This is prophetic. You might say, well, I came to hear numbers and figures. You missed them all week. <laughs> there was plenty of them. I don't have numbers and figures for no man knoweth the day nor the hour at his return. One verse and we stop. Revelation chapter 22. This must be one of the most beautiful verses or even the most beautiful lines of whole of holy writ. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 4. And they shall see his face. Praise God. Glory to God. I'll see him. My soul loveth. And they will see his face. Friend, if you're saved, you will see his face. And some will see his face. The face that was beaten and marred more than any man. The face they spat upon. The face they smote with the palms of their hands. And the face they smote with reeds and rods. The face that ran down with blood from the crown of thorns. The face whose beard they pulled out from. Stand before him. 
see his face. Give an account. But those of us who are saved, not because we're anything good or great, not because we're worthy, because of sovereign grace, we will stand before him and rejoice. For he is our saviour and our blessed redeemer, our Goel kinsman. And we will say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Oh, for he has redeemed us by his precious blood. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day. A glorious day that will be. Praise his holy name. Oh Jesus we worship you and we love you. There's none like him. Oh I trust you're saved. Carlene would you play that softly for me just. Let's just spend a word of prayer while Carlene plays softly.